0: Hello, and welcome to Meet the Education Researcher. This is a podcast from the Faculty of Education, Monash University in Melbourne, Australia. Hello, my name is Neil Selwyn, and in this episode of Meet the Education Researcher, I'm talking with Antero Garcia from Stanford University. Antero is one of my favourite politically minded media education scholars. He seems to have endless energy and imagination, and he's been involved in a variety of innovative digital and analogue projects over the past 10 years. Antero has researched how schools can engage with everything from mobile phones through to tabletop gaming such as Dungeons & Dragons. So in this conversation, we focus on Antero's recent writing on the role that tabletop games might have in the classroom, as well as growing talk that we hear in education around the notion of platforms and platformatisation. But first I wanted to hear about Antero's work in reforming civics education in the wake of the Trump administration. With the first hundred days of the Biden presidency looking to have brought some stability back to US politics, I started by asking Antero if these were already looking like better times for US schools.
1: a new president and a new administration i think you're right that we are in a process possibly of uh repairing of healing but fundamentally i also don't think i don't think you can heal a system that is built on inequities right a system that is built part and parcel with concepts like slavery right built into them and so yes things might be getting better than they were a couple years ago but if if we're serious about kind of thinking about you know how do we uh, centre the needs of black and indigenous folks as a, as a starting place, uh, I think this is a bigger reconstitution. I worry that maybe I'm being too US centric with these comments, but this is like where my, my brain is, particularly with the civic conversation.
0: No, absolutely. And then these are issues that everyone is grappling with I mean, in Australia in particular. But I mean, you're arguing that civics education needs to focus on, on as you say, all these problems, warts and all. But how do you develop a curriculum that confronts white supremacy or indigenous issues or climate change? I mean, there's a very long list of tricky issues there.
1: So I'll say the way you can't do it, maybe as a, as a sneaky way to try to avoid answering this question. Uh, and that is, I think, historically, civics in, in my context is usually understood as something that happens in social studies classrooms and history classrooms only. And it's just such a missed opportunity. right? As a former English teacher. This is where you learn how to debate. This is where you learn kind of the practices of being in dialogue with, with other people and trying to understand other, other kinds of perspectives. And so I think the first fundamental step of how we do this work is to recognize that the responsibilities of civics, the responsibilities of how we might repair and reimagine and build towards new kinds of worlds, uh, is something that that has to happen in every subject area and is kind of the responsibility of all teachers i think the other side of this and then you know this is the kind of marxist side of me is like every teacher's act is a political act and for, you know i think this idea of the objective uh role of, of teachers just needs to be something we need to fundamentally reject um and that doesn't that doesn't sit well i think with the ways that we develop kind of national perspectives of teacher education and kind of statewide assessments and all of, all of that stuff.
0: So I mean if you're arguing that every teacher needs to be a civics educator I mean how realistic
1: I can imagine a lot of
0: teachers pushing back and saying this is not what I've signed up for I'm non-political blah blah blah
1: at least here, right, the vision of what it means to become a teacher, right, has to do with this kind of romantic vision of what you imagined your own upbringing to be in terms of schools, right? Usually, I think the research points to people who become teachers largely do it because they had good experiences in schools and are the kinds of people who want to perpetuate a system that made them feel good, right? There is this kind of like passing on uh, of what that works. Uh, You know, this vision of everybody being a civics person doesn't fit well within the kind of climate of no child left behind that most new teachers have have undergone, right? The system doesn't look like what we're asking them to do. And so in that sense, I've been trying to imagine what are the new kinds of stories? What are the new metaphors? What are the new ways we need to shape the culture in classrooms? What are the new texts? But it is, you know, it is something that's going to have to be a conversation and it is not, um, that kind of widespread change is something that I think we're, gonna to have to kind of struggle with i think this is maybe this is a question of is it is it a gradualism kind of approach or is this you know gives like, this a a much more um you know paradigm shifting kind of perspective and may, maybe you have maybe you have a sentiment of how we can fix this
0: well no i think maybe you have a sentiment of how you can fix i really like the way that you are trying to address the system disrupt the system play with the system kind of from the bottom up and this brings me on to the second thing i really wanted to talk to you about was your work in the area of gaming now i th- I think your work in gaming is just as political and politically minded as your work in civics, <laughs> but i mean just for the unconvinced for people listening that are rolling their eyes at gaming, I mean why should we be paying serious attention to gaming as a means of social acts and social change in education
1: for for those of you capitalists out there you know the video gaming industry it, you know uh, is is so is just makes every dwarfs every other entertainment industry, media industry alone. Right. So I think just that alone should recognize like when we talk about youth, popular culture, as a kind of buzzword in teacher education, like we should, we should take seriously, you know, the Minecrafts and the among us and all of the actual plays and Twitch and all of these kinds of big behemoths that are taking money for better or worse. Right. There's a whole bunch of media literacy stuff we might do to dig into it, but that is where the youth conversation starts in terms of the gaming itself. Um, When I sit down and play games with other people, this is a possibility to imagine new worlds, to think about what what might be, what could be. Uh, And that is why, uh, you know, a tabletop role-playing game like Dungeons and Dragons looks pretty similar to what you and I are doing right now if we're sitting at a table together. We would have a conversation, you would say I want to do this, maybe we'd roll some dice to mediate some rules, but it is about how can we build some common understanding as people play in a game, And also, how can we build common understanding as the characters that we're role-playing and trying to build a sense of empathy and a sense of justice or injustice within the game, depending on what you're doing? I think that's the starting place. The one piece I'll add to this, though, which makes it, I think, political and means... This is probably the thing I get by far the most grumpy emails around, is when we start unpacking the systems and structures of these games and who made them, they're built on kind of Eurocentric values, right? They are built around whiteness. They're built around maleness. Uh, and when you start poking on at that and telling people the very obvious fact that that's who that that these games were made by white men people get really grumpy about that so I just want to like state that as an an obvious point that that needs to be said. Uh,
0: Civilization I mean the whole kind of kind of explorer colonialist mentality is amazing but I mean I like the way that you're playing with this I mean let's let's dive down into something like Dungeons and Dragons now I mean for, for the uninitiated I mean what is tabletop gaming what is Dungeons and Dragons and What does this have to do with, as you say, learning literacies, civic justice, you know, the issues that you're trying to grapple?
1: If a fundamental premise of critical literacy or critical pedagogy from, you know, from someone like Paulo Freire is this idea of, you know, we're going to construct a new world and we're going to, um, we need to read the word and read the world. This kind of very fundamental perspective. That is, that is almost very literally what happens in a game of Dungeons and Dragons. You 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 enter a cave and now someone needs to tell you what's in it. And now you need to tell people what you're going to do. And when someone opens a chest, I'm thinking of kind of fantasy tropes here. Someone needs to tell you and describe the things that happen inside it or what the combat looks like. And we might use, you know, ta- uh, a map and accoutrement to, to kind of uh, make visual sense of what's happening. But most of the action is happening in our minds it's mediated by words and it's mediated by common cultural understanding that we're going to be able to understand with one another um that that to me is the possibility of you know it requires collaboration it requires teamwork it requires systems thinking i hope i think there's a whole bunch of like stem kinds of stuff that we could make alluring to kind of sell to the public education but at the end of the day i think it's fun it's intriguing and it requires on you know human generated interest right like we are we are the operating system for, for, you know, this kind of game in some sense.
0: So in some ways, it's just sitting down and doing something interesting together. But I really like this idea about what it can tell us, as you say, about digital platforms and operating systems. I mean, what does something like Dungeons & Dragons sitting around a table tell us
1: about platforms? Dungeons & Dragons, at the end of the day, is like a bunch of books, right? It's just, there's, they're, they're behind me. It's, it's hundreds of pages of books and dice with, with, you know, it's Excel spreadsheets at the end of the day. Um, it's nothing particularly fancy, but what it does is it gives you a system of things that you can play with in order to mediate how you interact within a given platform, right? Just like uh, go to MySpace as something very old that no one actually uses anymore. That limits how you represent what friendship looks like, what kinds of things you might post on your wall, and you could hack that, right? That was how people had all these HTML codes that you would just kind of paste to like, make your MySpace page. This is probably too dated of an example for people to to build any meaning of. Um but in that sense, you know, I I think the same way you are, you're, you could easily kind of strip out all of the 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 kind of eurocentrism of of Dungeons and Dragons and paste in some other kind of ontology and vision of what you want the game to be and it's easy to build that into the platform, right? But it also means that the platform that you're building on values certain kinds of practices, right? Most of the rules are about combat or are about things like encumbrance, how much th- How much can you carry? Uh, how do spells work? And so when you build into this given platform, you have to build to the values of what Dungeons and Dragons is about. If you don't like that system, you need to look for a different kind of system or build your own, right? It's paper and, and pen at the end of the day.
0: Which, which comes back to the whole media education idea of, as you say, creating rather than simply consuming. Um, And that gets me thinking about platforms, perhaps, as a metaphor for um, understanding schools, understanding educational institutions.
1: I do think, I think a parallel that I've been trying to argue uh, is we need to think about schools and classrooms as a kind of platform, right? They mediate the kinds of interactions we we engage in. They have particular kinds of social practices that we adhere to. Maybe it's the bells that kind of guide where and how we talk, who has power, uh, what kinds of power is sourced in which places, right? That if we imagine the school as a platform, we can take these kinds of new metaphors as a way to understand how power is constructed in classrooms, I think it might give us some new resources to understand the ways we might challenge and kind of um, uh, haunt these platforms, right? I think about Wenying um, in his his book, A Third University is Possible, kind of points to there's always kind of a decolonial spirit that lives within the colonializing mechanism of the university, right? And I think if we recognize that, if we recognize the school as a platform, right? What are the kinds of ghosts that are haunting it for us?
0: Now you mentioned Twitch, um, so I guess we do have to talk about kind of digital platforms. I mean, I'm interested in—we're living in times of Fortnite, League of Legends, Discord, Twitch, Steam. Uh, what, if any, are uh, the exciting connections or the valuable connections that we can be making with education? I mean, is it all informal learning? Are there any connections we can make with formal schooling and these digital platforms?
1: I think the fact that so many people Are excited to not only play these games, but just sit and watch. In terms, like if we come back to like the very basic idea of consumption, right? People just want to actively watch people play a game. It's such a fascinating thing to me. I'll do it. I for a little while, I was really into the speedrunning community, the people who beat games as quickly as possible. Uh, And they, this one organization, uh, awesome games done quick. They'll raise three million dollars in like a telethon event on Twitch every year, uh, twice a year. It's fascinating to me that there's just tens of thousands of people at any given day, like a live sporting event, which is essentially what it is, that are doing this work. With In terms of how it comes into schools, one, yes, I think play and the idea of, of something being a fun activity that people willfully engage in, you know, in some ways, I think schools have given up on that as an idea in general. We say it's nice and we'll give it lip service, but actually trying to design around that... Uh, I think the mid 2000s and the kind of like quest to learn Katie Salen work is is very influential to me it's it's some of the work that influenced how I thought about designing schools and and I don't think we've seen enough support around these spaces we've given away we've given it away to go back to assessment on the one end so I think that's that's just uh, you know unmined territory to, to kind of use a, an extractive metaphor to some extent on um, on the other hand I I I think the other side of this is this idea of, like, people want to do these games in community. As much as a lot of games used to historically be about single players, so much of the Minecrafts, the Among Us, the, the MOBAs, right? All of these are about being with other people as as participants, as coaches, as mentors, uh, and just reimagining what would a classroom look like if you centered it around the practices of what Twitch values, right? In terms of, like, who's in... It's a, you know, it's a Socratic circle, right? There's someone in the center who's doing the text and there's a Socratic circle of dialogue around and observing. I think there's a lot of possibility there to like reimagine how we might structure spaces.
0: So, I mean, my final question just is, I mean, what's on the horizon? Are there any things that you're just beginning to think about in the back of your mind that might kind of bubble up over the next five years or so? I mean, what are you beginning to get interested in
1: next? Yeah, I think I'll I'll answer this in two ways. And so one is um, a good friend and colleague, Nicole Mira, she and I have been spending a lot of time Sitting in the the role of the speculative and thinking about what the what would speculative approaches to education look like, right when the pandemic happened uh, started last year, um, the big kind of educational conference here, the American Educational Research Association, was canceled. And so during that weekend that we knew everybody had plant had cleared their calendars, we created a two day speculative education colloquium uh, and brought in some some friends to kind of push folks thinking. We did it again this year and. Through um, through a small grant that we've received, we're now working on um, a special issue of the Journal of Learning Sciences that is going to focus on speculative ed- educational approaches to research. So that is one side, right? This is influenced by the works of uh, Afrofuturist Octavia Butler to think about rather than imagining researching for this world. What might be what might be possible is kind of the orienting work that I think is driving me. I think the other thing that's different from when I was doing my dissertation, you know, almost a decade ago. Um, is I now have not quite two-year-old twin daughters, uh, and so I think being a dad now and looking at uh, kids and and kind of thinking about their relationship to the world around them and and people who just have joy and intrigue, right? We they usually don't get very much screen time, whatever that means. But I turned on a nature show on 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 our Apple TV um, just as they were passing by, and it, it just blew their minds to see like I think I think they were. Uh, uh, what, what were they? I think they were, oh they're kangaroos. Just seeing kangaroos on the TV just blew their minds as like a possibility of like what what other life is out there. And so just seeing that joy has just been such a you know maybe it's just like the the dad thing, but just such a, a a joyful moment to kind of build on and inspire the work that I'm doing today.
0: I mean, that's both inspiring and also kind of quite worrying. Having two-year-old twins would just wipe my brain out. But I mean, thanks ever so much for taking the time to talk about your work. It was great to get the time to reconnect with you, hear what you're up to, and good luck in all of the future.
1: Thank you. appreciate it.